Hey there, welcome to the Root Cause Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Carrie Jones. On this podcast, we go in depth with leading experts from all walks of life to understand and improve your health and well being. Today, I'm talking with friend Dr. Yale Joffe around the basics of genetics. No, not as it relates to ancestry, but genetics as it relates to how your body operates on the day-to-day and how you can really optimize this. Dr. Joffe is a dietitian with a PhD in nutrigenomics. This is where nutrition and genetics come together. She's at the forefront of this field and regularly educates, speaks, podcasts, and writes on the subject. She's also the co-founder and chief science officer at 3x4 Genetics. Dr. Joffe is one of my favorite educators as I personally find genetics and how our daily micro decisions affect them so fascinating. It was an absolute pleasure to have her on today as we discuss this complex topic that thankfully she simplified for us. Here's a clip from today's conversation. The reality is, is there's two parts to this conversation. And the words I use are insight and action. So we gain insight by doing a genetic test, looking at our spelling changes, and understanding all those different things that I mentioned about how we respond to the world around us. But that's only half the equation, because the second half of the equation is, now what do I do? And this is a very exciting world. We actually call this nutrigenomics, which is, how do I use nutrition, supplements, environment, lifestyle, exercise to change the way my genes behave? Because genes are switches. They switch on and they switch off. And sometimes they switch on and stay on when we actually want them to switch off. Sometimes they don't switch on and we want them to switch on. So I'll give you a beautiful example just now. But the reality is, once we know who we are, we want to make choices that will switch on the genes that heal and protect and defend our body. And we want to switch off the genes that harm our body, like the inflammatory genes. That's just a small taste of the amazing show we have for you today. Hey, before we get started, I want to talk to you about something that comes up pretty often on this podcast. And that, of course, is lab testing. You see, testing is one essential way to understand the root cause of an illness. And if you're an integrative or functional medicine practitioner, chances are you are placing a ton of orders with a ton of different labs. The Root Cause Medicine podcast is created by Rupa Health, and Rupa is the best way to order, manage, and track results from over 25 different labs in one single place. Thank goodness, no need to create and log into multiple portals ever again. So if you are a practitioner, make sure you go sign up at rupahealth.com to create a free account today. Now, let's get on with the show. Dr. Yale Jaffe, thank you so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate it. I am delighted, Dr. Carrie Jones. And if you asked me to travel around the moon with you to do a podcast, I absolutely would. So thank you very much for having me here today. Well, I'm not opposed. If As long as the moon has sunny weather, because both you and I live in the Absolutely. Pacific Northwest. So we were just discussing how we're drowning in gray weather and rain right now, which is not fun. <laughs> yeah, we could both do with a little bit of vitamin D, I think. But it's okay. We're good. 
we're, we'll get through this. We're almost there. Right. Especially our springs and summers are quite wonderful. So yeah. <laughs> that's what's so nice. We're almost there. We're almost there. Well, today we're going to do the 101 on genetics, which I couldn't think of a better person to invite than you because I've learned so much from you. And of course, love your company, which is 3X4, which we will talk about. But why don't you give everyone a little introduction, who you are, what you do, what you stand for, so they know what we're about to talk about. Hey, um, I give the the one-on-one version of me, which is I started in architecture. I didn't do science. I was really passionate about art. And then my grandmother died from cancer. And I had this amazing burning question of why? Why did she die from cancer? What could we have done differently? How could we have prevented it? This is some time ago and no one had any answers for me, but like no answers. So a lot of my career, my journey has really been trying to answer this question, which started with her, which is, did she have to die from cancer? Was it preventable? What could I have done to help her? How could I have treated her better? So I went off looking for answers and I became a dietitian. I'm thinking that that dietetics would give me a lot of the answers. It didn't quite work like that. I wasn't completely delighted by what I learned. So I carried on looking, really, and I found this amazing, amazing world of genetics. Found a tiny company in a place called Southampton in England, where the first startup company had the vision that genetics and nutrition would be the future of nutrition. And at the time, we're talking about like 2000, no one was having this conversation. And I certainly couldn't even remember what a chromosome or a gene was, never mind a SNP or a gene variant. And they were like... We would like a dietitian who knows about genetics. I was like, oh, I kind of don't know about genetics, but I'll get the textbook out and I'll start studying. And that's how it began. And it's been 22 years. And I have had the most amazing couple of decades working in the space of genetics and nutrition, what we call nutrigenomics. And I have been part of this growing field where no longer do I have to explain why I chose the direction I chose. And have been lucky enough to just grow with the field and look back and go like, this is the future of nutrition, as we'll explain why in a few minutes time. And that's how I landed up where I am. I love that. And like I said, I've learned so much from you. So I can't wait to really here set the stage. You know, when it comes to genetics, I think a lot of people are very overwhelmed by the idea. And when we talk about genetics historically over the prior 22 years, it's around a major disease. Do you have the genetics for this major disease? Or it's genealogy. <laughs> so it's well, it's ancestry, yeah. Where's my cousin? Right. Yeah. Right. It's ancestry, yeah. right? That's what we sort of dove yeah. into. And that's what's really uh, hot right now. But can you explain like, what is genetics testing? Like, What are we actually testing? Okay. So I think that's a great place to start. So let's start between differentiating between the three different kinds of tests that you mentioned. So everyone knows 23andMe, Ancestry.com, and that is Ancestry. Where did I come from? Where did my family originate from? Did I come from Eastern Europe or down through the plains of Africa? So that is the most common genetic testing. And when you do a 23andMe or something, that's really the information that you're getting. Now, in the other space, let's call it the health space. It's divided into two. The one is, which you mentioned, is more about diseases. It's what I call medical genetics. These diseases are actually extremely rare. So they're happening like less than 1% of the population. It's not common. You're not going to come across it very often. It's very strong in families. And the best way to understand it is that the gene has a very powerful impact on causing the disease. And the food you eat and the exercise you do and your lifestyle 
has a very little impact. Now we're going to switch over to the work that we're talking about, which is more what we call kind of lifestyle genetics or nutrigenomics. And that is the majority of where genetics plays a role. And I'm going to tell you how it works, but it's really involved in where genetics contributes to who we are, how we exist in the world around us, how we respond to the world around us, how we respond to the food we eat, the exercise we do, stress we endure, trauma we may encounter, supplements we take. That is the world that we want to live in because it's every single minute of every single day where we're making decisions about our diet, our nutrition, our lifestyle, our supplements, our stress, and what role genetics is playing in. Now I'm going to go back. Now that we know which area I'm talking about, right? I'm not talking about the medical. I'm not talking about ancestry. I'm talking about this lifestyle genetics. Now I'm going to go back and and just actually simplify to explain how it works. So if you imagine genetics is a language, we all, so we're talking in English and English has 26 letters in the alphabet and we group those letters together to make words and we group words together to make sentences and then sentences come together to make paragraphs and chapters and it tells a story. Now think of genetics as a language, but instead of having 26 letters, we got four letters, A, C, G, and T. And that is the code, the language that writes the whole story of who we are. But every single word is actually made up of three letters. So it could be CCA or CGT. And we call these words codons, but that doesn't matter. We'll just call them words. And every single word is a code for an amino acid. Now, I'm sure that most of you know that the building blocks of proteins are amino acids. And there's a whole bunch of them. So when we take a whole lot of amino acids and we build them together, we make a protein. And when we're talking about our bodies, we're talking about hormones, we're talking about enzymes, we're talking about brain messages. All these proteins are really the engine of our body. So the engine of our body is driven by this code and the code are our genes. Now, the last part of this is that 99.9%, we are all identical in our code. So that story, those paragraphs and sentences and chapters and story is exactly the same, 99.9% for for all of us. But at 0.1%, we are different from each other, 0.1%. But 0.1% in genetics means that three to four million places in our DNA code, we are different from each other. I call them spelling changes. So in some people, there'd be an A and some people, there'd be a T. But think of them as just a spelling change. So you have the word goat and you change the G to a C and suddenly you have coat. Now, genetics, the same thing can happen. You can change one letter in your code and it can change the way an enzyme is made. It can change the way a protein is made. It can change how it works or where it works. So what we're really interested in genetics is this 0.1% because that's what's going to give us insight and understanding into who you are, how you respond to the world around you, how do you respond to different foods you eat, the exercise you do, the potential you have, the vulnerabilities that you have. It is not a medical diagnosis. It is just about who you are in the world and how you respond to the world. And that, in essence, is Genetics 101. <laughs> I think that's the best explanation I've ever Heard. Now, listeners, now you can understand why I love listening to her so much. And I learned so much because that's, she's such a great educator. Oh, okay. So 
the spelling changes, the spelling changes uh, goat to coat, we would call a variant. Right. We would call it many things. So right. If you hear, right. So I just want to mention in case you like reading a journal, you're reading an article in New York Times or something and you hear it. So we call it a gene variant. So it's a variant because you can either have one version A or version B. The most important thing I want to leave you with is don't have judgment. And, and practitioners fall into this trap all the time. They're like, yeah. they think a variant is bad, but actually all we're talking about is evolution, what we call evolutionary biology, that over the time from when we were living on the plains of Africa, our genes were certainly suited to a way of life, which is kill an animal, have to eat it for like a month, scrounge for roots and berries in the ground. And then what happened is we kind of landed up in this very modern world with carbohydrates and refined foods and sugars and high practice corn syrup. But really, there is no judgment. There is no good and bad. There is only a spelling change. So we talk about gene variants or gene variations. We talk about polymorphisms. Polymorphism just means change. We talk about SNP, which you might hear, single nucleotide polymorphism, because actually that letter, what I call a letter, the proper genetics word is a nucleotide. So at one place, single nucleotide letter, there's a change. But the word you will never hear me use is the word mutation. And you will hear that sometimes in medical genetics where they say you've got a mutation. And I even hear it with something like MTHR. If you hear that word, it's a red flag for you because the reality is, is it's not that something is super negative. It's just informative about something that's different in you that changes the way you process things or respond to things. So for me, mutations out of the vocabulary and I'm happy with spelling change, gene variant, gene variation, all good. But spelling change, I love that. And I love your, the, again, the goat to coat, I think is really helpful to a lot of people who've heard the word mutation, all right? I, I mean, I've had patients or practitioners say, wow, you know, they have the MTHFR mutation. And you're right, it has such a negative connotation, but it's you spin it in a whole different light. So can you give us an idea of the, the when you're, we're testing genes, and we're looking at our lifestyle genetic report, what are categories that might apply to people's lives? Like, why would somebody listening to this go, okay, that's really cool. And it just really helped me understand it. But how does that apply to my life? Like, for example, and I know the answer to this, I'm just giving an example, okay. right? Can you, are there genes around how your hormones function? Are there genes around like inflammation or cardiovascular disease? Like, are there, do these genes give you information around what categories of your health? Okay, so yeah, that's a great question. So why should you care? Like, yes. how does this actually matter to you? And will it change your life in any way? So let's think about, so I can only talk obviously, so different genetic companies do it differently. I'm going to talk about how I do it, right? So we know that we talk about, and I, I mean, this is the Root Cause Medicine podcast. So it is the most perfect conversation. What we really want to understand with everyone that we work with is what is happening in your body that might be causing some change or dysfunction that would manifest five years, two years, 15 years, 20 years later, that would cause a symptom in your body or potentially some kind of condition. So we want to make sure that we understand, the first thing we want to understand is how optimally are your cells functioning? And then we're interested in things like inflammation, detoxification, 
oxidative stress, methylation, right? So we go right to the simplest, simple thing, which is what we call cellular function. Then we want to be able to understand how are the systems in your body working? And then we would want, so then we break it down into a whole lot of systems. Perfect. Hormones. We know we all metabolize. And of course, Dr. Carrie Jones is the expert in this. But <laughs> how do we metabolize hormones? We, when we take a contraceptive pill, when we take hormone replacement, when we're exposed to external hormones, we all will metabolize those hormones in a different way. We will store them in a different way. We will um, detoxify them in a different way. So hormones is a great example, but there's wonderful other examples, glucose and insulin. And then some of my favorite, like mood, anxiety, depression, how we manage that kind of stress. We talk about cognitive function. So memory, brain function. And then of course, we've got a whole cardiovascular section, which is around cholesterol, but also around blood clotting, blood pressure, and my favorite, which is vascular health. How strong and wholesome and resilient are your blood vessels? Then we have another section, which is my personal favorite, because this is where my PhD was, which is around energy. Now, some other companies will talk about dieting. I like to talk about energy because when we talk about weight and the journey of weight, this is where genetic, everyone gets this, right? If you're listening to this, you think about yourself, you think about your best friend, you think about your family. All of you will gain weight and lose weight in a different way. For some of us, we gain weight just by looking at food is so easy for us and we battle to lose weight. For others, they can eat whatever they want and they don't gain weight. And you all know this. Now, the basis of this is genetics. How we eat, how hungry we are, how full we get, how we store energy, how we burn up energy is all driven by our genes. So that's one category we want to include. And then the next one is activity. Same thing. We're all training for that like 10 miler or what's it? 6.2 mile. I'm, I'm mixing up my kilometers in my mouth. <laughs> 6.2 mile, right? 10 kilometer. And you're training with your best friend and like you're doing the same training, but they're doing really well and you're really battling and you're getting injured and you're exhausted and they're not. That's because we respond. Remember, if you had to think of a word for nutrigenomics, that was easier to remember. It's responsiveness. Responsiveness is the word that explains genetics. Why do I respond to the training program for my 6.2 mile race in a different way from my friend? Why is it so hard for me and so easy for her? So we look at what is your aerobic potential, your fitness potential? How likely are you to get injured? Whether you're better suited to be doing long distance running or short distance, and I'm using running, but it could be cycling, it could be swimming, it could be rowing, it could be any of those things. And how much recovery you need. And then lastly, of course, we are talking about nutrition. So we look at all the different nutrients like folate and vitamin C and the B vitamins and choline and gluten and iron and fatty acids. And the list goes on to see a vitamin D. How well do I absorb these vitamins? How well do I metabolize them? Do I need more in my diet? Do I battle to metabolize? I need a different version of them. Do I metabolize caffeine super fast? Because ultimately, we are made up of all of these things. So the reason I don't like you just to look at energy or just to look at fitness or just to look at hormones by itself is because root cause is all these systems, all these what we call pathways work together to make us who we are and how we respond to the world around us. So we should never look at genetics 
by itself ever. Even though, of course, I love genetics. And if anyone was going to say, it's like genetics by itself is not an answer. So if you're buying a genetic test and they don't know who you are and they're giving you recommendations, it's a red flag for you. Because genetics by itself is a wonderful piece of information, but it's only one piece of who you are. And then they need to know what's your history? What's your psychology? What are your goals in life? What are you battling with? What do you want to get out of it? So if you're not having genetics in that context, then something's missing for you. And obviously we have that problem in the industry where you can buy a genetic test online, two seconds, cheap price, but you're not, they're not putting it into the context of who you are, right? Well, this leads actually to my next question, which are we, is this set in stone? Are we doomed? Somebody does the genetics test and they're looking at the, how their responsiveness is for their hormones, their exercise, their energy, their inflammation, et cetera. And maybe they see some red in there and it looks concerning. It is, are we doomed? Okay. Is it sentence, is it changeable at all? So for the first 10 years of my career, I only looked at spelling changes. Like that was my life. Like here's your spelling change. This is how it's impacting your enzymes or your proteins. And then suddenly I met this wonderful woman, Dr. Christine Horton, who's become a colleague of mine. I know Christine's amazing. I I know you know Christine really well. (laughs) And Christine, I mean, it's such a sad story, but uh, Christine and I met at a conference, a nutrigenomics conference in this beautiful little town called Casalemara di Stabia in Italy at a the worst conference I've ever been to in genetics. And well, Christine and I thought it was awful. I think probably everyone else understood it. And we were quite miserable because we had traveled, Christine from Australia and me from South Africa to attend this conference. And it was all about data. That's the whole conference was about big data. And we wanted translation. We want to know, what should I do? What the answers? And we were standing in the, two miserable English speaking people standing in a queue at this conference waiting for our lunch. And in those days, it was quite some time ago, they used to serve pasta at conferences. In fact, it was such a fantastic conference that they had pasta for lunch and wine on the table at lunch, right? Italy, of course. It's Italy, exactly. Very Italian. Exactly, I love it. So we're standing in a queue and I'm feeling miserable. I can't speak to one because they're all speaking French and Italian and Spanish. And I hear this accent, a couple of people behind me, and it's not only an English speaker, but it's an Australian accent. And I start talking to her and it lands up being Dr. Christine Houghton, Houghton, who lands up being my colleague, co-author. We built causes together. She's on my scientific advisory board. Like we've been working hand in hand for years. And we landed up sitting at a table together, drinking both bottles of wine. Naturally. Never went back to the conference and basically planned how we were going to tackle building out nutrigenomics for the future. But the reason I tell you the story is we always describe our relationship as yin and yang. And the reason we do that is that up until I met Christine, I used to think about genetics very much about spelling changes. And Christine is an expert in the second half of the conversation, which is gene expression, gene behavior. And we realized that I knew my part and she didn't know my part, but I didn't know her part. And that's why we've been working together for so long, because the reality is, is there's two parts to this conversation. And the words I use are insight and action. So we gain insight by doing a genetic test, looking at our spelling changes and understanding all those different things that I mentioned about how we respond to the world around us. But that's only half the equation because the second half of the equation is now what do I do? And this is a very exciting world. We actually call this nutrigenomics, which is 
how do I use nutrition, supplements, environment, lifestyle, exercise to change the way my genes behave? Because genes are switches. They switch on and they switch off. And sometimes they switch on and stay on when we actually want them to switch off. Sometimes they don't switch on and we want them to switch on. So I'll give you a beautiful example just now. But the reality is, once we know who we are, we want to make choices that will switch on the genes that heal and protect and defend our body. And we want to switch off the genes that harm our body, like the inflammatory genes. And when someone came up with the idea of food as medicine, this is what they were talking about, where we can use nutrition not to fill in a hole or act as an insurance policy, but we can use not just nutrition, but all the things I'm talking about, all our choices to switch on and switch off genes so that our body can truly heal itself in a way that taking a supplement never can. So supplements can be incredibly powerful, don't get me wrong, but when we use them to switch on and switch off genes, they become immensely powerful. And we've all heard the saying, if we're in the field, that genetics loads the gun, but lifestyle, et cetera, et cetera, pulls the trigger. Pulls the trigger. And when I was first starting out, I had no idea what that meant. And because I didn't know much about genetics, I knew a lot about lifestyle, but not about genetics. And now as I've gotten deeper into combining the two, nutrigenomics, it makes so much sense on a daily level. Can you go into that a little bit more? Can you explain maybe common behaviors that you see that are going to pull that trigger in a negative way that are going to result in a gene turned on that maybe you don't want it to be turned on? Now maybe I can do both. Okay. Can I do one where we want to switch off a gene and one where we want to switch on a gene? How's that? A hundred percent. Let's do that. Yes. All right. Okay. So let's talk about inflammation. Okay. So we, we do a genetic test and we find out that there are some genes, which we call, we'll just, we'll, we'll tell you what they are. You don't need to know them. They're called TNF-alpha and interleukin-6 and interleukin-1. And we find that you have spelling changes in these genes, which means that they are working much harder than they should be. They are switched on and they are turning out into our bodies, what we call cytokines, which are like inflammatory markers. They're inflammatory molecules. So we have too much inflammation in our body. And this is not the inflammation of having a temperature and a burning head and like achy bones. This is a low-grade sinister inflammation that stays in our body but causes damage, right? And it's because these genes are overworking. They remember they pro genes produce proteins. Proteins are like enzymes, hormones, et cetera and they're producing too much. So we look at our spelling changes and we see that we are prone to having too much inflammation. Now we need to shut down that inflammation. Now there's two things we can do. We definitely want to go on kind of an anti-inflammatory diet plan, very good. But we want to personalize that anti-inflammatory diet plan to make sure that we are being as effective and optimal as possible. And we want to switch off those genes. Now, I know you've heard that the omega-3s, which are the fatty acids that come from oily fish and from some vegetable sources, but it's at their most potent, they usually come from oily fish, and they are really good for decreasing inflammation. But one of the reasons they are especially effective in decreasing inflammation is they switch off TNF-alpha and interleukin-6, especially TNF-alpha. TNF-alpha is probably the most famous gene when it talks to 
increasing inflammation. And the reason why omega-3s have been, you've been told to take them when you, for inflammation, is because they switch off inflammatory genes. Okay. So you might have been taking omega-3s because you were told to, and it made sense, but now you know why. Mm -hmm. It's actually because, remember, insight, understand that you're more prone to inflammation, to action, increasing omega-3s in your diet, both vegetable and fish sources, to switch off those inflammatory genes. And by switching off the inflammatory genes, you're decreasing inflammation and helping your body heal. So that's a case where we want to switch off a gene. But what about where we want to switch on a gene? So we, I'm going to give you another example. We take a genetic test and we discover that we have a whole lot of spinning changes that influence our ability to detoxify toxins in our body. So we have an exposure to toxins all the time, whether it's pesticides or herbicides, passive smoke particles, pollution, and of course, what we're exposed ourselves to. So it's the food we're eating. We might be living in a house with mold. It could be anything that we know. Now, this is something obviously that you know very well from Dutch, from hormones, is because detoxification has got a lot to do with hormones. But I'm going to focus on general detox. So we discover that we've got some genes that have basically switched off, which means that, that our ability to clear toxins from the body are not as effective as they should be. So you've all heard the story about people who live to 110 and they smoke a pack of cigarettes a day and they don't die from cancer, right? We love that story. But they're back with someone else who's like 50 who gets lung cancer and they only smoke like two cigarettes a day. So ability to clear toxins from our body is extremely important in how we respond to the world around us. So we do your test and we discover that you aren't clearing toxins effectively. Now that's insight. Now what is the action? Now I love this action, right? We want to switch on a whole lot of genes that are going to increase your ability to clear toxins. So I'm going to give you two examples. One is, so actually, I'm going to give you the same food, but two examples. I think you all know what I'm going to say. I know that you know what I'm going to say. <laughs> so there is this vegetable called broccoli. And broccoli is part of a family of vegetables called the crucifers, crucifers vegetables. So it's not only broccoli. It's broccoli. It's cauliflower. It's bok choy. It's cabbage. It's all of those vegetables. But let's talk about broccoli and broccoli sprouts, which are like the little sprouts that you grow, which are even more amazing. When we eat these beautiful vegetables, they contain something called glucoraphanin. You don't need to pronounce it. And the moment that we chew that vegetable, the glucoraphanin combines with an enzyme called myrosinase and produces this extraordinary compound called sulforaphane. So you don't get sulforaphane in foods. You have to crush and chew and make sulforaphane. Now, what does sulforaphane do? It does two things. It switches on the genes that need to detoxify, so like GST genes in Q1, right, that are helping us clear toxins. So it's brilliant for what we call phase two detoxification, clearing toxins, but there's another story about broccoli. There is something called NRF2, and we call this in science a transcription factor. I call it like the multi-switch. So you know when you walk into your house, and you've got Alexa or something like that, and you can switch on one switch in the entrance hall, and it switches on all the switches in your house. That's NRF2. So NRF2 can activate 500 more or less genes in your body that are defense genes. They protect against toxins, against oxidative stress, against inflammation. They're like your front line. 
And if you can just switch on NRF2, NRF2 will do all the work for you and go switch on hundreds of genes that are going to protect you. And the most powerful way to switch NRF2, the multi-switch, the multi-light, is raw cruciferous vegetables, broccoli, cauliflower, cabbage, all of those. And if you really can't eat tons of raw, because the moment you cook them, you kill the enzyme, it doesn't work. So lots of coleslaw, then you can get a really high quality supplement. And I mean a really high quality supplement to be able to get broccoli sprouts or you can sprout or buy broccoli sprouts, you can eat them as well. So that's an example where we use nutrition to switch on genes to be able to heal the body. So I think your question is putting the trigger, right? Right. So genetics loads the gun. That's the insight. And But lifestyle pulls the trigger is the action. And in this case, we can control what that action is. We can make our genes behave in a certain way by the choices we make. And that's why, to come back to your point, very long answer to a very short question. The reason why genetics is not set in stone, why it's not our destiny, why we shouldn't think that getting a genetic test won't make a difference in our life is the absolute opposite. Well, I think you know that sulforaphane and NERF2 or NRF2 is definitely one of my absolute favorites. And I will have to have Dr. Houghton on the show because it's so funny. I met her in Australia. I had been a longtime follower, didn't know who she was. Longtime follower because of her research and education into sulforaphane and detoxification pathways. And I am at a conference where she was at and she was going to be speaking. And that night I'd gone out to dinner with a group and I'm sitting at a table. I think there were six or seven of us at the table and we all sit down and she, I said, hi, my name is, I'm Carrie, Carrie Jones from the States. And she said, well, I'm Dr. Christine Houghton. And I was like, I am having a fangirl moment right now. And the whole table just started laughing because I knew almost everybody else at the table. They were like, you didn't know that's Dr. Houghton? I said, no, I had no idea. I felt the same way about you. (laughs) That was the same, the famous, the Miss Dr. Houghton. It was wonderful. So I think you should have on the show. She's, I should. <laughs> she has a PhD in sulforaphane and I'm not joking. She literally has a PhD in sulforaphane. Yeah. No, I, so where I, she's who I learned all my information yeah. on sulforaphane and broccoli sprouts. And I talk about broccoli sprouts, obviously a lot in the mm. relation to hormones, but they, absolutely with over 500 enzymes that they can turn on, it's way beyond hormones. So I love that you gave that example because that's very near and dear to my heart exactly. as well. And I think it really exemplifies to listeners of how, this is not set in stone and this is not a death sentence. And there is actually a lot of actionable things you can do, which actually, this leads me to the next question. I only want to touch on this one gene in the interest of time, but it's the gene that everybody freaks out about. And we, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring it up. MTHFR. There's a lot of buzz around MTHFR. I have people who DM me or comment that I have been diagnosed with MTHFR. I have the dreaded... With my MTHFR. The dreaded disease, MTHFR. And I thought, oh, it's such a disservice. Can you please explain... Yes, I would love to. That. I would love to. (laughs) And that it's not a dreaded disease. (laughs) No, it's it's nothing. It's a spelling change. And so let's start by saying MTHFR, for those who don't know, is the name of a gene. Methylene tetrahydrofolate reductase. And it's just one gene, right? And in this one gene is a spelling change where some people have a C and some people have a T. And what happens when you have the spelling change is it changes the way the enzyme functions. And this area where it works is called methylation, which is like a super complicated thing to understand. 
And I'll tell you how I describe it. It's like, imagine, I talk about the concept of DNA health. So we think about lung health and heart health and brain health and skin health, and all of you understand that. But we don't often think about how healthy is my DNA, my chromosomes and my genes, right? Because we worried about our heart health, what we really should be worrying about, because if our DNA is not healthy, I always talk about potholes in our DNA. If our DNA has got like little holes in it because the cars have been traveling over and they've like made potholes and those potholes aren't repaired, when we make new DNA, which we're doing every second of every day, we're going to make less than perfect DNA. And that's really the beginning of most disease, especially when we talk about the cancers and things. So this process of methylation is really about making sure that every time we make a new cell, particularly the DNA cell, we're making it as complete and healthy and wholesome as possible. And this gene, MTHFR, with this one spelling change, plays a role in the process of repairing DNA and making sure we have new DNA that is intact and helps them with no potholes in. But about 10, 15 years ago, this gene had a lot of research in it, in the days where we didn't have a lot of research in this field. And there were a number of companies and individuals who took this gene and put it on a pedestal and put a crown on it and gave it a big cape and said, the most important gene in the whole world is MTHFR. And if you have MTHFR, it's associated with, oh my God, you name it. If there's a disease, MTHFR caused it. It's like rheumatoid arthritis and cancer and autism and ADHD and the list goes on. And then what they said is, And if you have this, they they use these terrible words like defect and mutation and diagnosis. And if you have that, you can click on this link and go to my website and you can buy 35 supplements that will fix your MTHFR because MTHFR affects the way we metabolize a folate, right? It affects our folate levels, which is just a B vitamin, a very common cheap B vitamin, right? So what happened is they built a whole industry around this gene MTHFR whole industry and sold a whole lot of supplements around MTHFR. But I want to bring us back to where we are. MTHFR is one gene, one spelling change. Methylation as a process is very complicated, has many genes with many spelling changes that all play a role in determining how optimal your methylation will be. That's insight. It's so easy for us to take action, improve our diet, even without supplements, sometimes with a little low dose supplement, to be able to make sure that those methylation processes are, are going well. So sometimes we lose perspective because it's commercially driven. Yeah. So MTHFR is not associated with the disease. It's not, it's a single spinning change, part of a big complicated process that we need to understand. So for anyone listening, if you ever see a genetic testing company market to you based on MTHFR, remember the idea that genetics is never in isolation. So one spelling change in isolation, big red flag. One area of genetics in isolation, like methylation, big red flag. Like we are complex beings with lots of spelling changes. And we want to understand what those spelling changes are in giving insight about. And then we want someone who understands genetics to understand who we are and take our genetics and give us recommendations on what we should do. 
So MTH5 is one of them, but there's a whole others that also got a pedestal. APOE got a pedestal, COMT got a pedestal, those and FDO, you know. So whenever mm-hmm. you see a Time magazine or a Newsweek article and the front page says, we found the fat gene or we found the cancer gene, like, no, no, you didn't find the fat gene. There is no one gene. We are made up of many, many spelling changes that are impacting the way our body responds and how we respond. And we take action to compensate for that. So these are just, if anything I've left you with, it's don't judge the spelling change. Don't put them on a pedestal and never have genetics out of context. So how do you feel about people doing and ordering their own genetics testing? Do you feel like knowledge is power? Do you wish they would go through a practitioner that can help train them? And if they do order, what are we looking for in a lab test? What makes it? What kind of thing? Yeah. So I, have, so I think, look, in Ancestry, go for it. Like order your genetics, no problem. So right now with what's available in the marketplace, you want to get the greatest value out of understanding your genes. You can order a consumer test, but you might. You could also just go onto Google and tell them that you're a female, 46 years of age and what your goals are. So if you truly want to gain insight from who you are and how you respond to the world around you, you want to work with someone who's been trained in nutrition genetics and lifestyle genomics and can extract the gems and the insights and the values and help you make what I call micro decisions, the best decision every minute of every day to drive your health. So I'm all for experts and it might be a naturopath, it might be a dentist, it might be a psychiatrist, it might be a chiropractor, it might be a nutritionist, but let them understand the language of genetics and know how to integrate genetics into what they're doing. Then the second part, which now I forgot, what was the second part? It was very important. The second part. Which we look for in a company. I mean, no, I mean, everyone should know she's biased. Oh, oh, what kind of <laughs> she is an amazing yeah. company. I am biased. But she's also an expert in the field that has been in it 22 years, yeah. which is why I'm asking her the question. Right. So of course I'm biased because I try to build my company based on these principles. But if it's not my company, then ask these questions. So one is, who are the scientists behind the test? Do you actually have scientists building this? Or is it what I call a copy and paste company, where they basically take someone else's report, copy it, create a brand, redesign the report, and sell it to you? So make sure there's a team of scientists and have a look at who they are. Ask them how they choose the genes, spelling changes, that go into their report. What is their process? What is their criteria? How do they decide? The other red flag for you is, Quantity is not better than quality in genetics. It's the opposite relationship. So it's easy to test genes in genetics. It's harder to translate genes. So if this, their claim and their kind of sales pitch is we test 500 or 1,000 or 10,000 or 100,000, that is telling you that they don't know what they're doing. Mm. They're putting the whole kitchen sink into the genetic test, but they don't know how to translate it. Look for not just data that they can test it, but what information are they going to give you that's going to help you decide what to do with it? If it's just data, you're wasting your money no matter how cheap the report is. Then you want to know who the lab is. You want to know they shouldn't hide that from you. It should be completely transparent. You want to know what do they do with the DNA sample? Do they destroy the DNA? How do they store the data? How do they ensure security? What is their privacy policy? What is their ethics policy? You want to know what support they offer. If you have a question, where do you go to ask your question? 
So all these questions, like, again, if you see that they're giving recommendations based on a single spelling change, red alert, big flying flag, right? So I think I've probably given you enough just to give you a sense of, like, and again, like, I don't mind if it's not my company, but really just make sure quality over quantity, don't judge the genes. And if they're giving you recommendations, on a single gene variant, on a single spelling change. I always say single spelling changes are not that powerful. They're only powerful when you look at them in groups and when a practitioner is working with them to extract that beautiful insight that really gives information to us as practitioners on what are good decisions to make. That's fantastic feedback. And I, we, I have to follow up. This is the Root Cause Medicine podcast, as the neon sign says behind me. And we are all about practical and tactical. So when it comes to genetics, what are the top two or three things that listeners can understand and start today or take away with them today, whether it's from a lifestyle perspective, whether it's from a where they get their results, how to find a practitioner, any kind of practical, tactical, somebody can go, all right, got it. A micro decision. I love that. A micro decision. Yeah. So if genetics is not informing your micro decisions, like when you wake up in the morning and deciding what coffee to have or whether you should grab your phone or meditate, like you need to be bringing genetics into your life. I'd say mm-hmm. that. The second thing is that there's an inevitability about genetics. It is who we are and it will define how we live in the world ahead of us. So if you're not part of genetics and what's happening, you need to start thinking about it. Dip your toe in, read about it, listen. You don't have to do a genetics test today if you're not ready, but start embracing and listening to this world of genetics because, and I do, I am going to give one small punt, which I have to, which I just Please. published a book. Which I was going to bring up because it's amazing. Yeah. And the reason I'm raising it is because it's like a graphic novel, right? It's about, it's a graphic novel of how do I understand genetics? What is the story? What's in it for me? So if you want to go to a safe place to understand what it is before you decide whether to make genetics part of your life, it's got beautiful pictures and images and stories and it's like easy to engage with and it really will help you figure out why should I care about genetics? It's called the power of genetics and it really should be like, why should I care about genetics? Like what difference will it make to me? So so that would be my answer. It's like there is so, when I studied dietetics, And I was looking for answers about how nutrition would really change preventing disease, managing disease. It took me like 20 years, but I did find the answer. And the answer is nutrition and our lifestyle choices, our micro decisions can be extremely powerful when we understand our genes and we understand how to switch them on and off. I love that. Drive our own health ourselves. Yeah, I love that. So as we wrap up, Tell everyone where they can find you. Tell them about your company. We've mentioned the book, The Power of Genetics, but where can they find you on social media or out in the world? So my company's name is 3X4Genetics, like ex-boyfriend, 3X4Genetics. We (laughs) have a website. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram, LinkedIn, and of course, through the website. We have a huge amount of education that we're happy to share with you. And as I said, the reason we did the book is that most of our education has been targeted at health professionals. And I really wanted something where anyone, and that's on Amazon. So it's called The Power of Genetics by Yale Jaffe. It's on Amazon. It launched probably a month ago. So it's very, very new. 
And the idea is that anyone and everyone will be able to understand why genetics should matter to them and what role it can play in their life. And then you can decide where you would want to go with that. Fantastic. Well, I think you just got everybody listening all excited about genetics. And I have been really about excited about genetics for years. And now I'm even triply excited about genetics and the way that you explain it. So thank you. Thank you so much for coming on to the Root Cause podcast and just giving us the best stories, the best analogies, the best examples all around genetics. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It's brilliant. Brilliant as always. That was like version 101. Maybe one day we'll do 201, like that advanced genetics, whatever that means. I'm not sure what that is. Uh, we <laughs> need to because I think people are yeah. going to have a lot of questions yeah. around a COMT and APOE and it's those who are like exactly we can dive a bit deeper yeah yeah who have dipped their toe into the field are like wait a minute what about this one what about this one we have, you have a lot to say about them which i love i do <laughs> and you know i do yes I wonderful thank you so much thank you so much for having me wonderful okay bye-bye bye oh my goodness thank you so much for listening to today's episode I have one quick favor to ask before you go. If you love today's conversation, would you mind leaving us a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on right now? My whole goal is education. So positive reviews are actually the number one thing that help new people discover the show. You're amazing. I so appreciate it. And I'll catch you on the next episode.